You are listening to the PYD Lab, the podcast for implementers and young leaders who want to examine innovative approaches to positive youth development and hear stories of young people leading change in their communities. This podcast is made possible by the support of the American people through the United States Agency for International Development, or USAID. The content and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of USAID or the United States government. Hey, it's Natasha, and you're in the PYD Lab. Welcome to another episode of the PYD Lab. Today, we are learning how to engage youth in conflict situations. As we examine ways programs can be responsive to youth and staff needs, our guests break down some of the fundamentals of mental health and psychosocial interventions. The first guest, Irina Babchuk of Unity, which stands for Ukraine National Identity Through Youth, which is a USAID-funded activity. She's joined also by Youth Development Senior Specialist and Art Psychotherapist Danya Fawaz, who guides this delicate conversation as well as provides more insight on psychosocial support. Let's go inside. Welcome, Danya and Irina. I'm so grateful to have you both here with me today. Thank you a lot. Thank you for having us. Today, we're having a really timely conversation about how do you engage youth in conflict situations? while it's happening. USAID, you know, does a lot of work around the world in conflict areas, working with youth serving organizations. And for those working with youth during conflict, I just want to open up the discussion by asking, what are some things they should keep in mind just initially, especially because we know for a lot of youth serving organizations, they may be safe spaces to youth. And when conflict is going on, that safe space may be in jeopardy. So I would just love to open up to hear you guys' thoughts about just your initial thoughts about what some implementers should be thinking about. Danya, do you want to kick off the discussion? Thanks, Natasha. From my perspective, as a mental health practitioner and a person who really tries to advocate for a focus on mental health within youth programming, One thing that I would highlight that programs, you know, engaging youth should keep in mind is, you know, what's going on beneath the surface for these young people who are accessing your spaces. You know, you spoke about how these youth programs can be physical safe spaces where youth can come and engage with one another and engage with the programming. However, one thing that we know about, you know, conflict and it is that it can cause potential trauma reactions within young people and within anybody really in that that space. And so one thing that trauma does is that it also compromises that sense of internal safety. And so I'm a huge advocate for programs who are engaging youth to become aware of, you know, what are the impacts of trauma on young people? How does that manifest? And how can your organization create systems that help restore that sense of internal safety, at least within the moments that they can interact with your programs. And I'll stop there, maybe turn it over to Irena for some some other thoughts. Thanks, Dana. Thanks, Natasha. It's very important because a lot of youth and uh, children, young people, students, uh, they don't understand in which way they can be helpful for his family, or for the country and for the communities. Uh, some of them left all things they have, uh, left uh, friends, 
and move uh, to a new city uh, or villages or even other countries because we have a lot of uh, children who who with their families uh, living now in other countries uh, not in Ukraine yeah could you tell us a little bit about unity and the work that you're doing there I know unity stands for Ukraine national identity through youth activity could you tell us a little bit about the activity and how you're working on it right now in the midst of everything that's going on I'm like a leader of our youth uh, community which works with the uh, youth space in Rivne uh, region and our uh, territory and Hromada work with the youth um, in other um, with collaboration with our partners IREX in Ukraine and other partners and beginning to have their identity it's called Mediagramotnist it's for us um, understanding how to feel safe on the social media and understand which uh, information fakes or not fakes and how to work with this information it's a work with the use to involve people with communities all programs have the main whole idea that use work with use and ask use what they want and we try to build our communication in this way now we can work together our use people to find the way they uh, feel comfortable feel safe uh, and try to have this uh, safe place for them and we have a uh, lot of friends community that help us we have uh, a unique situation that we work with the city councils and also with our colleagues from other NGOs which which situated in the city and we try to to talk with them and to planning together. A few hours ago, I have uh, a meeting with the young people and they um, have a lot of great ideas. Uh, they try to find a new community, new friends and uh, feel comfortable. I think uh, our team and our program can be this physically safe place for them and uh, also uh, try to find the correct way of implementation of their ideas. So we work with these things, understanding of the situation in Ukraine. And I want to talk about that right there too, about, because even I think for myself during COVID, we learned a lot about adapting programs on the fly, right? And I'd love to hear from the both of you just a little bit about what are rapid program considerations that implementers should try to take into account? How do you kind of adapt to those situations? I know that in COVID times, the most problem was to don't meet with young people offline. It was uh, very hard to not see them offline uh, but mm. we adapt. Uh, we have a lot of uh, online meetings just to talk and lots of uh, these new ideas for these times. Uh, I see even my, my self-transformation. Uh, I'm very uh, excited to have uh, hugs from friends or even when you see messages from your friends from other cities, countries, and it helps me to, to focus and to be 
uh, organized. This is a real situation, but I can right. share that um, our young people become aware and they are strong and we should uh, help them uh, in the way we can share and help. So even you as a psychologist, you can have some meetings with some youth or some the parents of this youth how to be on the same way uh, one month in one shelter or find the new place, apartments uh, and help uh, to share your own home for some people who uh, lost um, all, all things they love, all things they have, um, their home. Um, and it's hard to understand that uh, the guys who was, they was our friends firstly, mm -hmm. and now they are soldiers. Right. Um, and um, you also understand that you are, a big person for them because they uh, feel that you in positive uh, way mm -hmm. help them to be strong the most uh, helpful for them it was like a humanitarian help that we sent them and also uh, pictures they take it's uh, these pictures and said okay it's for me it's for me and it's mm. sent from schools from children's uh, right. it, it was like a positive way to to help them feel that their families not forget about them absolutely and i think you bring up a great point and because i think that there's a, a balance that needs to be struck right so in the past i remember i i embedded with some marines during their their pre-deployment training in the mojave desert and i remember leaving the soldiers right and they were saying you know man, if you could just send us like some Us Weekly tabloid magazines, that would be great, right? Because it's just something that has nothing to do with what they're experiencing. And it gave them a sense of normalcy. And I bring that up to say, there's this balance of things are rapidly changing. You want to be able to adapt to that, right? But then you still want this sense of normalcy. Danya, I'd love to hear from you because I know that you specialize in some of this trauma work. How do you strike that balance? This is saying that I always say like, well, I don't want to play pretend, right? I don't want to pretend that the things that are happening aren't happening. But at the same time, you still, I would imagine, need a sense of normalcy just for sanity. Absolutely. And Natasha, um, that sense of normalcy becomes so important. Sense of routine, that sense of, you know, normalcy and routine can sometimes that sense of inner safety that I was speaking about a bit earlier when difficult experiences happen or conflict or war, you know, these are potentially traumatic events which can cause specific trauma reactions, which has to do a lot with one of the key components of experiencing trauma is that loss of agency, right? Or the agency becomes compromised. And I think of that as, you know, linking it also to the positive youth development approach and just thinking about how choice and control become so important and just touching in on that aspect of normalcy. When we have choice, when we have control, we're able to enter into some form of an adjusted routine, which can help us restore a sense of inner safety even as the situation is rapidly changing, even in ongoing conflict, 
it's really important to support young people through programming to continue to work toward that sense of inner safety or to help them ground. You know, I talk a lot about grounding in my work because we know that the body holds a lot of the trauma and a lot of the stress and a lot of the conflict that we experience around us. And so mm. allowing spaces for young people to ground, young people to connect with their bodies and to express whatever they would like to. And when I say whatever they would like to, it kind of links back to that sense of agency and control. And it reminds me a lot of what Irina, what you were saying earlier uh, and how you have to adapt your programs, you were mentioning, you know, and how you really are, it sounds like you're engaging these young people in the program design. And in a huge sense, that is allowing that restoration of agency. And that is really linked to that core component of our PYD model. When a person experiences trauma, one of the first things that goes away is the control over their body. Right, especially when we're talking about you know conflict, it's it's loss of control over your physical body, and I won't go into too much details here. But yeah. you know we have a a more primal part of our brain that kicks in, where sometimes our reaction to a potentially traumatic event may be in opposition to how we think we would like to react, and so even our reaction becomes so primal and so much part of our survival mechanism that that sense of agency gets taken away. And I know Irena was mentioning this earlier when we we're talking about displacement, you know, it's loss of social networks. Is it, it's a disruption to that enabling environment. It's a disruption to the environment that the young person lives in, you know, their friends, their social networks, their family. There's a lot of, you know, difficult disruptions that happen and the question for us as youth practitioners becomes, how can we restore this? And when the conflict is ongoing, it becomes, how can we work towards restoration? Even if they are in little things that we can provide, because there are certain things that we cannot control, but what we can control is the spaces that we offer, is the types of approaches that we apply. And I think I know I, I keep coming back to this, but I think Irina's example at the beginning of the youth space is a really great example of how we as youth practitioners can cultivate these spaces for grounding and for that restoration of inner safety so that these young people can really continue to build upon their enabling environments in these new and adjusted spaces. And I know you were very involved with the mental health toolkit that YP2LE and USAID put out last year. How can implementers use that in situations like this? Yeah, so the toolkit can be a really great resource if programs are opening up mental health or psychosocial support programs. And what the toolkit does really well is it shows different avenues in which that can be approached. So one avenue is by creating, you know, a standalone mental health and psychosocial support, or as I'll refer to it, MHPSS program, or as a component of other programming. There are ways to embed psychosocial support activities into your existing programs. And the toolkit actually has a page on sector-specific pullouts, which target specific sectors such as employment, uh, youth employment and entrepreneurship. How can programs that are so focused on that 
also build in activities that target and that support the psychosocial well-being of young people. And this becomes even more critical in conflict settings or during war or after any kind of natural disaster, is that how are we, we need to look at ourselves and ask how are we supporting the mental health and well-being of these young people? How are we able to adapt our programs to care for this really important aspect of the individual? And the toolkit really provides great ways to do that. And it it also provides simple tools that programs can rely on, which I think is really helpful, especially if you're, as you mentioned earlier, you know, these are rapid program adaptations, you know, you're moving a bit quickly. And so sometimes you need things that are structured and created that you can rely on and use. There are just tons of resources in there that can really be adapted and adopted by these different programs. One thing I did want to stress, though, you know, and when we think about mental health and psychosocial support, or even when we think about trauma, mm -hmm. is that each individual is going to react differently. So we as, you know, youth practitioners in these spaces need to really be careful about making assumptions, always to take that leadership from the young people themselves and to mm -hmm. acknowledge yeah. that these events are potentially traumatic, but every person is going to respond differently based on different factors, you know, their early experiences, their gender, their different identities, lots of things come into play that determine our reactions to these events. Such a great point. And when you were talking about that at the end, it, what it made me think of was the importance of self-care for the people who are actually doing the work, who are mm -hmm. the implementers. And so Irina, I definitely wanted to ask you because when you were sharing a little bit about what's happening in Ukraine with you and, you know, your own family and your husband, at the same time, you're also still here, you know, trying to serve youth and help them. And you're a human being and you have your own things going on with you and your family. How are you able to kind of strike that balance to be there for your family and your own mental health while you're helping youth? To be honest, it's very difficult to uh, to find this balance uh, in some way. Um, like when I work army volunteers, I give my all energy for this and helping. But sometimes my my friends, my family called me stop. Even don't forget to eat. Uh, mm. Don't get to meet friends. I'm very passionate and I work with the people and share my emotional um, and uh, in some way we, we have some practice meetings for two meetings with the, uh, our youth that is still in the city they have some own experience own traumas and we have a meeting with an internally um, displaced person who from other cities come here and they don't know everyone. We ask our colleagues from the city council that uh, they can share this, uh, the time and the place for them. And they can uh, go to our new space. They want to have an internet, just uh, read the books or just talk with someone and share their own stories. And it was the best way to adapt and uh, to understand what they need. We understand that uh, on this time, Daniel, you was right that uh, young people can uh, react differently, and uh, it's a traumatic time. 
And uh, for us, we understand we adapt to work with the psychologists uh, to do some art therapy for our uh, use. And we have some group therapy and share their own story if you want. Sharing own experience, ideas. And for, for me, it's, uh, it's uh, understanding that people try to find new friends, try to be a part of new community and find a place uh, that uh, they can be themselves. So we, we can uh, give them a free space to talk and to express their emotional. Uh, on the same place, on the same way, understand that we should support each other because we are stronger uh, together. Yeah, and I think that seemed like a super important connection. The fact that you're able to also take these discussions online. I would imagine in conflict areas, what might be a safe space today, you can't necessarily guarantee there'll be a, a safe place the following day. And so as you're adapting, are you finding ways to be able to communicate with the youth and their families in those type of situations if locations need to be moved and such? We try to communicate with them and send that if we have some Serena, we go uh, to the place to be um, safe. So, so we just have some step-by-step um, a way to understand how can we uh, be useful for them and they, for their families. They try to adapt to understand how to um, live in new, in new city, in new uh, space in time of war in some some of them tell told us that um i just need a hug right uh, and it's really understandable that um my friends when the war was just beginning uh, sent me a mail that the, the friend from georgia uh, how are you? If you need some place, you, you can go to Georgia and we are waiting for you and can help me. My friends from Poland do the same way from Italy also. I was, oh my God, I have a lot of friends. Right. I, I was like, um, feel uh, that I'm not alone uh, in the right. world. And they understand that uh, why you don't move in? I said, no, uh, it's my country. I right. can be uh, the most uh, effectively at home and helping uh, people use my friends, our army, and um, helping the best way to feel that you are part of uh, some uh, volunteers community also. Dania, I just wanted to ask you before we went to Irina's PYD recommendations, I know Irina talked a little bit about some of the ways that she's been able to kind of work with the youth there in Ukraine. And I know that you specialize in art psychotherapy. What are some other healthy ways that youth can channel their emotions during this time? There are so many different ways that we can focus on on grounding and caring for our wellness. And I know that, you know, Irina also mentioned a lot about staff care and caring for yourself if you are in the position of a youth serving professional, because that's also so important We all need to be taking care of ourselves and also going one step further and taking care of one another. 
I would say, you know, just in terms of uh, some quick activities, you know, mindfulness activities are great and some grounding activities, you know, just focusing on the physical body. A lot of the times when we're in difficult situations, we don't want to close our eyes and we don't want and sitting still can feel difficult. So I would encourage people, you know, to explore moving meditation or explore just mark making on paper. As you mentioned, I'm an art psychotherapist. So a lot of my work focuses around art making. And I often hear from people, you know, I don't know how to make art or I, I haven't drawn anything in years. Well, the good news is that you don't have to show anyone what you make and you can just take a pen to a paper and make some doodles and just focus in on breathing and noticing how you're feeling as you're doing that, that's something that always helps me. And there are tons of different exercises online. And I just encourage you to take a pen and a paper and make a mark. As part of, you know, our work on Unity, we've also been holding some staff care and optional grounding spaces for staff who are working on the project. And that's been really uh, transformative for me and also for them. We've had some pretty great feedback and we've used tons of art making that just involve a black or blue pen and a piece of paper. Um, and it's it's been a great space to explore what grounding feels like and how you can re-enter yourself. It's my favorite part of the episode where we get into your three PYD recommendations. P stands for published, a published reading source you recommend on a youth development related topic. It could be a book, an article, or a report. The second is youth, which is a resource or project you know of that's authored or led by a young leader that you want others to know about and why. And the third, which is my favorite, is disrupt, a disruptive, innovative idea. It could be a project or a resource that does or will tackle a youth-related challenge. So Irina, do you have a published resource? If we talk about Ukraine, firstly, we have Project Ukrainer. They have published books. They have all English version and Ukrainian. Uh, there is uh, the best places and stories of national ideas that we have. Mm-hmm. Also, and for about the project, for me, a uh, very useful book. It was Don't Eat Alone. I That's one that. of my favorite books. Yeah, because I, I read it uh, maybe a year ago and understand that more than um, 15 years I do the same practices and even don't understand that I do the same. Doesn't <laughs> it change the way that you meet people? Yeah. Yeah, I met it, so many people after reading that book. Yeah, it's a really uh, useful book for me. Uh, obviously. And also, uh, I have a book um, in Ukrainian called uh, It's about how to be uh, more comfortable in situation that you could not control it, and find the, the place and the way of understanding the situation when you are not standard understanding or the resolving a problems. Yeah. What do you have for youth? What's a youth related project? Mostly, it's our Youth Space Nota. Uh, it's our project for our program. And uh, we have a great program of our colleagues. It's called LEAP. It's for young people, students, uh, for, the, for, for them to understand how to work with projects and try to, in first time, realize that they are our colleagues. They are cool, and we help them 
of uh, some meetings, some collaboration for the next projects. So uh, see you maybe next time you see our new uh, project ideas. And the last one is D for disrupt. What's a disruptive innovative idea or project? You know, that used very, try to use Instagram. Uh, so they have uh, a lot of followers on some Instagram bloggers or something like that. And we understand that in our situation, uh, we have lots of ideas how to help. Right, yeah. I did recently learn that Unity has been highlighting Ukrainian social media influencers so that they can reach more youth. As we know, youth use social media for everything, to advocate, to raise money, to provide support. This month, Unity and Youth Lead will both be posting tips on mental health and self-care. So listeners, look out for that on social media. This idea for me, it's very useful. Three great recommendations. Thank you so much for sharing them. Right now at youthlead.org, we're actually in the midst of a mental health campaign and we're doing 31 days of self-care. Each day there's a prompt that we give youth to get them thinking about, okay, what's one self-care thing that we could do for the day? So our listeners out there, make sure you check that out. I just want to thank the both of you so much for sharing expertise and your wisdom and your ideas. It's a difficult conversation. There's so much going on in the world, and especially with you, Irina, being there on the ground. I can't thank you both enough for joining us today. So thankful to have you both, you know, working on Unity projects, but also just working on the behalf of youth everywhere. So thank you so much for your time and all that you do. Thank you for having us. This was a great conversation. Thank you a lot. Uh, It's very useful. Thanks. Now it's time to get into our three PYD recommendations. Our first recommendation comes from USAID's Collective Action to Reduce Gender-Based Violence. Now, this is note number four in a series, and it's titled How to Integrate Mental Health and Psychosocial Interventions in Gender-Based Violence Programs in Low-Resource Settings. With this note, you can learn about intervention layers, trauma-informed care, and program considerations, plus the do's and don'ts for mental health psychosocial support programming. Our second resource focuses on trauma healing programming. You can access those recommendations on our mental health psychosocial support conflict and violence page. Here you can access resources that demonstrate the importance of incorporating mental health into a holistic understanding of youth assets and agency. Our third recommendation is the Youth Mental Health and Psychosocial Support Considerations for Violence Prevention, Peace, and Security Special Section. Now this pullout is a part of the Integrating Mental Health and Psychosocial Support Toolkit produced last fall by YP2LE and USAID. From design resources to case study examples, implementers will learn how impactful youth programs can be that aim to reduce violent behavior and that use cognitive behavioral therapy-based curriculum. As you know, for this resource and a host of others, you can visit youthpower.org backslash PYD lab. Until next time, I'm Natasha and you've been in the PYD lab.